Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist to that business news. My name is Nasser Pasha. Now, Matt Stahl. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> is it too formal or, or what? No, it wasn't too formal. It was just uh, interesting breaks and peaks in oh. your... <laughs> Because, well, and the reason is because I was starting to think about what the name of our podcast is because, you know, since I never say it in our intro anymore, I almost forgot what it was. There's somebody else that does the intro, says the name, says our names, and then we immediately just repeat it. Well, we don't say the name of the podcast, which it, for the life of me, I can't remember what the name is, but that's okay. <laughs> say it at the end, I guess, in a way I do. Uh, keep it sound, keep it smart. Yeah, close enough. I hope you went to that game on. I did watch it. The final great game, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know me. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, it's it's like surprising that I sat through a basketball game that I have no idea who the teams are, or players are. But yeah, it was a great game. I watched. Yeah, I just watched the last half. So yeah, it's, I mean, it was the whole game was good, but the last half was good. Yeah, my my wife did the same thing. So if she's able to watch a whole half of basketball, you know, it was a good game. Yeah, exactly. And we're talking about the uh, what are we talking about exactly? <laughs> I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. College basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah, call it, yeah. Exactly. Well, because it was in Houston, so that's why I bring it up. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so what do we got today? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, this is you know, this is a topic that I think, I'm assuming you do as well. I seem to talk about it all the time with people, mostly with startup companies, and it just deals with, and we're, we're going to go through an actual company and kind of the tribulations that they've had, but... Basically, so you have a startup company. Oftentimes, you have you know multiple people that are involved, and unless you get some sort of investment right away, or unless one of the founders has some some money from some other source or some money to pump through, they're pretty t- handcuffed in terms of you know money they can pay out to people that are performing services for them. Which I think would, if you know, this is just a complete estimate. I would say over ninety percent of startups, and I use startups loosely, probably have this issue. The so-called tech startups yeah. or kind of dot com startup. Well, I think tech's a classic example because, I mean, all businesses could probably use some sort of programming or, or tech person, but the tech ones in particular obviously have this huge need. And so uh, oftentimes what happens for these company, these startups that don't have the means to pay people, you know, I'm, we're just talking minimum wage, not even, which we didn't even talk about that, that yet, but in California, it's going to be quite the increase here in the next few years. $15. Yeah. Both in and New York. Yeah. New York as well. That's right. But we'll talk about that at a later time. I think I think we have a story about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in lieu of paying these people at least minimum wage, they they pay them nothing, but they pay them in equity, meaning that if you we're going to give you stock in this company or you know membership interest if it's an LLC in exchange for your services. The one thing that they often do though is they tie it into some sort of vesting schedule. So in order for this person to receive this. You know, think about it this way. Let's say there's, we're going to give you 5% of the company, which is probably pretty high, but we're going to give you 5% if you, for doing the work you're going to do as a programmer, but the catch is you have to work with us for, for two years. So essentially this person is not getting paid for their work for two years. And that's assuming they see out the whole thing. And then even if they do see it out, you know, it's very possible that that, that stock is even worth anything at that point. In fact, it's likely that it won't. Yeah. And 
And here's the thing, and, and it that happens all the time. And the problem is, is that there are a ton of popularized, you know, success stories of startups that have just went through that same process. And so it's like, okay, well, everyone else does it. And that's partly true. This this whole startup world is is definitely has been romanticized. I mean, there's no doubt about that, right? I mean, you, you kind of, when we talk to these clients, they kind of have a preconceived notion on how things should go. And even frankly, startup attorneys or, you know, so-called startup attorneys or attorneys in Silicon Valley or that are, you know, living and breathing in this world, they have this kind of style and approach to things that aren't necessarily how things go in, in regular business world. And and again, maybe it fits that culture or not, but there are some definitely some drawbacks to that. And that's what's interesting about this guy. Dan Lyons. Yeah, Dan Lyons. And he's a former employee of of HubSpot. And he wrote, a, wrote this book about his so-called misadventure in the startup bubble. And it's called Dis- Disrupted. And he, he's pretty critical of HubSpot and their kind of so-called culture, which is very fitting to the romanticized culture of many startups. And he, isn't he a, 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 one of the writers of that show, Silicon Valley, right, on HBO? Well, he he, I th- he started this fake Twitter profile. I think it was for- Oh, that's right. Was that for S- Steve Jobs? I can't remember. St- yeah, fake Steve Jobs, basically. Fake Steve, I think it was called. Yeah, fake Steve Jobs. But yeah, now he's a writer for Silicon Valley, which if anyone, we've talked about the show a couple times, and I think we've even both mentioned it. They have to have somebody, they have- at least one writer, possibly a couple that have some knowledge of the startup, not only the the legal aspect, but kind of the actual practical side of, of startups and what the reality side of it, what really happens. Right. Because yep. a lot of the, the plots and subplots are based off of things that we see all the time and are very common to startups. And I think one of the last episodes, maybe the finale was all centered around this employment agreement that became voided be, or was ruled invalid because it had a non-compete in it, which is illegal and in, in California uh, and all yeah. this stuff, which for people that you know aren't familiar with the law, it's... I don't think it works that way. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> if it's just because there's a non-compete doesn't mean that the whole agreement's invalid, which I don't know what the, I don't know what the details of the, the episode was. But. Yeah. But, you know, they needed a way to get out of it, but it was pretty funny. But, but yeah, so uh, we'll post to, uh, you know, this guy's account of the situation of, was it HubSpot? Yeah, you have, have you heard of HubSpot? It's this marketing company that they, they, they focus on marketing software. And I think that's their bread and butter. I've actually looked into them a while ago. And what, what I had trouble with is it was very hard to ascertain what they did, like basically to actually get prices and to figure out what services they provide. You had to basically talk to salespeople. Like you couldn't just, it wasn't very transparent. So I was like, forget that. I don't want to go through that. I'm not that interested in it. So, but I understand that everything from social media to email marketing to analytics. And I'm sure they do much more now than they used to, but they are a publicly traded company now. And I think that's one of the things that this Dan guy says. And, you know, they've, they've built this whole culture around all these different things and it's all kind of inflated. And, you know, the, the, underlying part when he was there was they weren't even making they weren't even turning a profit it was just really pumping in all this enthusiasm throughout everybody to really get people working hard and you know on the flip side of it too they're giving basically they've turned it into a from the way he describes it into like a playground you know give all these people all these fun things to do make it a really fun culture and maybe that way they'll forget about the fact that they're not 
get really getting paid at all and or paid much yeah i'm sure they're getting paid now but yeah in the beginning at least i thought i saw there was a mention at some point an amount they got paid but in addition to the stock but and that's the thing this the stock options first of all they're publicly traded and i'm looking at their for those that actually trade they're operating margin and net profit margin is negative 25% in 2015. And they have negative 25% and they have yet to run a profit. Yet somehow they have a thousand some plus employees and doing what God knows what they're actually selling or doing. But, and they've been publicly traded since October, 2014. And the stock is trading just about, I don't know, about 10 points above their original Oh, no, I'm sorry. About 30 points more than their original IPO. Did their IPO in 2014 and had a valuation of $1.5 billion. And again, this, is, this guy emphasizes they haven't made any profit yet. Yeah, that, and their, their market cap's about $1.5 So, So to give you an idea of their corporate culture, there's this blog post from January 6, 2010. And this Lions guy references their vacation policy. And it's basically, I think, Brian Halligan, which may be the CEO or not, I'm not sure, where he writes this post and announcement in January 6, 2010, basically saying, Mad Men inspires HubSpot's new vacation policy. And so you get an idea of where this is going already. And he, he basically starts out, I've been watching Mad Men recently, and it's remarkable how much corporate culture has changed in the last 50 years. And then it goes on to the end, to that end, we announced our new vacation policy this week. Our new vacation policy is that there is no vacation policy, no paid time off forms, no vacation rollover, nothing. If people want to take off, then they take off. And okay, that's interesting. It's still not, and I read through it, it's still not clear what exactly that means. But based upon what Lyons is saying, it seems like it's just unpaid vacation. Yeah. And you just leave and you don't get paid for it. And it's, it's ambiguous if you're on salary, whether you get paid or not. It's kind of, I, I'm, I'm not following it. But based upon what Lyons is saying, basically, when they, when they terminate the employee, they don't have any saved up vacation time. So they don't have to pay for that. So most likely, it seems like it's unpaid vacation, right? Yeah, I, I would guess. And this really is a double-edged sword here. You have, yeah, okay, here's the thing. We're giving you unlimited vacation. But yeah, it's one, most likely unpaid. So you're taking time off. You're not making anything. And then two, you know, you it's it's unlimited. But if you overuse it or, and probably their definition of overusing it is pretty a, a lower amount, guess what? They're probably going to terminate you. And so I think that would make people very reluctant to use a lot of this vacation time. I mean, unlimited vacation time just doesn't really ever seem to work, in my opinion. I, I like companies that do the mandatory vacation time. Yeah. At least, you know, because people do get burnt out. But unlimited, it's just, there's never, you'll just never know what the right answer is on how much time you're supposed to take off. And what's weird is that, I mean, Lyons, he tears them apart. I mean, the New York Post did kind of a summary of some of the things that he talks about. I didn't actually read the book, but he tears them apart. Everything from like how they're getting paid to how HubSpot, their marketing, you know, they, they're basically the, the CEO and the officers are basically marketing people that are salesmen to just tell people how great their company is and they get their customers by spamming and they send a bunch of spam every day and that's how they how they get their customers supposedly and how it has this very cult-like atmosphere and, he, and this New York Post article continues to compare this the culture of HubSpot to Scientology 
And it's and they talk about how the employees go through these tests in the beginning, so-called pseudo personality test, and get asked questions like, "How weird are you from one to ten? <laughs> yeah, this is really about the romantic nature of people. What they think of you know startup culture, they think of the apples and the googles of the world, and how they started in a garage. And the reality is, is that how that translates to real life is is kind of it's a pipe dream. In, in, in many ways. And, and we see this personally with how clients want to structure their companies and not even business owners, but a lot of people that come to us that they're joining a startup. They have a lot of intellectual capital with them. They're smart, intelligent, and they're being asked to work for free in exchange for equity. And we do a little bit of digging. And of course, we find out these people, they, they have all this kind of dream of, of they have all this money lined up supposedly and they have this business plan which in reality ends up being an ant that has some money for some, for some for for some VC capital and a word document with like an executive summary you know and again a pipe dream yeah i mean that's kind of the warning to the individuals here that are getting into these situations is you really got to know the situation before jumping into it i mean i guess you could always maybe not before jumping into it but you know, before investing too much time, I mean, I, I think it's fine if you see the idea and you invest a little bit of time into it. And if it doesn't work out, you kind of go your separate ways. But now if you're like one of these situations where you're putting in essentially full time, more than full time, probably, and you're really not getting much in return. And yeah, they might give you all these cool perks that are at the place that you're working at. But, you know, you got to look at things from a macro view and see that it's really not worth it. And you're getting treated pretty poorly. and it's probably not going to be work out for you long term. And like we said at the beginning, it's the odds of any sort of stock option turning into something are are fairly slim, <laughs> especially a company that's not making money. Because in, in that scenario, and there's plenty of companies that don't make money <laughs> that's publicly traded, that may not be the issue. But in those scenarios, the people that win are the founders and the VCs before IPO, right? But after that, it's like those stock options are and, until it turns a profit, right? And there's always exceptions, of course, and we've seen it with Twitter. And I think even, I, I can't remember, Facebook was profitable when it went IPO too, but there's been others that weren't profitable right away. Well, like I said, we'll post this kind of his account, the Stan Lyons account of working there. But the one I thought was particularly interesting was the employees have to wear rubber bracelets containing transponders, oh, yeah. which are needed to, to lock and unlock doors moving around headquarters, which of course means they can track you at all times if you're wearing it something I assume that these people would figure out at some point. but And, and we forgot to talk about the, the, the whole FBI scandal with this, because when he was releasing his book or something, and I don't, I, I don't know all the details, but this is my understanding, is that the FBI did this investigation, which apparently they, they ended up clearing them, but there was some allegations that somehow they, they were trying to shut down this book by lines that it was being made. And they there were some allegations of hacking in the email because they were trying to get a draft. And because of that investigation or as a result of or afterwards, some people resigned and even the CEO of HubSpot was reprimanded to some extent in the, regarding this whole activity. So you have to accept that there must be some truth to, to what this guy is saying. I and mean, I think it's a credible source. Yeah, so what's our... How weird are you from <laughs> one to 10? I don't know how to answer that. I know, it's such a silly question. I would say six for you. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. For you, probably eight, eight and a half. Wow. That's weird. 
What were you going to say? I was just, I don't even know for the takeaway in this case is, well, I get from the, it's more for the individual perspective, but I guess from the business perspective or business owner perspective, I treat the people that you bring on as part of your team, you know, treat them appropriately. And just because you offer them nice perks at their, at the place at your office, doesn't mean that they're enjoying their time and getting, cause I mean, if you treat them well and give them something good out of it, they're going to stick around you for the most part. And I would also take, you know, take what you read on the internet or from these, you know, so-called young CEOs and young and fast growing companies and what they do Take it with a grain of salt because what made them successful is not necessarily because they had this great so-called company culture. Sometimes there's luck involved. Sometimes there's, you know, an actual product that they, you know, happen to do well. But I'll tell you this, I don't think, you know, a company is successful because they have no vacation policy or, you know, little weird things like that. You don't have, some things don't have to be reinvented, you know, some, and, and, you know, where it comes from the no vacation policy is because they, they feel like work and life has no separation, that life is your work, you know, and that's where that no vacation policy kind of bugs me a little bit is that it's not practical. It doesn't fit realities of of people's lives that, you know, people want some kind of structure. Right. Exactly. I think we offered some, some good takes on this one. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.